Hey, happy um, Labor Day. And some of you who, if you have a day off tomorrow, just smile. You don't need to raise your hands and uh, make the, but you know, it's, everyone is happy about that. And um, it's nice to worship together. Pastor John shared some pretty um, good announcements with us. And uh, we're going to be teaching that men's and women's study on the life of Solomon. Solomon was the, really is, was the original uh, ultimate American dream. He had everything. And um, so we really want to learn life and do it right. So wives, uh, if you're married wives, make sure you send your husband, right? I mean, it's only going to make him a better man of God, right? And uh, so make sure you encourage him to do that. And husbands... Like, do the same to your wife, right? All right, so make sure you come out, um, sign up for that. We're going to have a wonderful time and um, uh, just a time of study. Pastor John and myself will be um, leading those sessions. Um, and so it'll be good. It'll be good, all right? This Labor Day, we're celebrating the, uh, the productivity of labor and all those who work so hard in our world, in our country, and we take a day off and uh, we, we celebrate it. Um, and we're here this weekend, right? And I thought I would share upon this, and this is something I wanted to share about for a while, and this happened to be um, just on our schedule, the right time to do so. This concept of work, the way we look at work and how we ought to treat work. You know, if, if the average person treats work like this, and I remember I was thinking back to some of the odd jobs I had growing up. Um, I remember one summer I got a job cleaning a, a, a hospital uh, cafeteria in the, the kitchen, the, the kitchen of the hospital. And that room was, that kitchen was probably almost about bigger than this worship space that we're, this multi-purpose room we're using. And my job was to clean it. And that was my job. I, I remember I interviewed at Disneyland and it was a group interview and they asked, why should we hire you? And the guy next to me, he was very like just excited. And he, he says, well, you should hire me because my middle name is Happy and, you know, I am born to do this. And then they came to me, why should we hire you? And I, I, uh, and I didn't have anything to say. My, my middle name is like some ethnic Korean names. So I, I couldn't say that. <laughs> you wouldn't understand it. Um, so I didn't get hired there. So I got a job at the hospital. And I remember I, my job was to clean the hospital kitchen. And my boss would leave. Everyone would leave. And after we would go around and deliver, I would deliver the food to all the patients there. And then everyone would leave and they said, okay, Steve, new guy, this is part of your job. You can go home after you mop the whole kitchen every day. And my boss used to say this, he said, you know, I will, um, because I want to make sure you mop it because I have, I have a way to keep that, you know, keep you, you know, uh, honest about that. And I was like, well, how are you going to do that? And she said, well, I won't be here, but she says, I'm going to put random ketchup bottles and A1 bottles, mustard, all under the appliances. So I will know if you really mopped and swept under there or not. So the first couple of days, I was like, oh my gosh. And it would take like two hours to mop the whole thing. And then it was scary. You know, it was like late at night in a big place. But then I, I, I kind of wised up. And, all, and then like after a couple of days, all I was looking for was ketchup bottles and A1 <laughs> bottles. I just clean the bottles and put them all back. And then I'm out of here in 10 minutes, you know. Um, <laughs> And I thought I was so wise then. But a lot of us, a lot of people in our world think of work in that way. If I could just get by, if I can get by and no one will know, if I can, man, skip out sometimes and just get by and get paid, man, wouldn't that be good? And we joke around sometimes and sometimes it's serious. And we talk to some, man, your job is so good. No one checks up on you, man. It's so good. You know, and we tell someone, man, you have a boss that's overbearing. It's so bad. And we, we talk in this way. But I want to really propose to you that we as Christians 
ought to have a different perspective on work. Um, we often think it is something that uh, is secular, it's out there, it's a necessary evil means to just make ends meet at home. But really, work is something given to us by God. So it's not so much it's a secular thing, it's actually a very sacred work that we do. We spend, uh, a lot of us will spend 40 years of our lives working in this way. Next to sleep, work will be the next most thing that we do. It might be actually more than our sleep. And so you think about it, God has given us work. And if we could, as Christians, understand that concept, and some of you are, whether you're stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home, that's, it's, it's, that's really harder work, but these are all things that God has given to us. And if we could understand work in, those, in that context, it changes everything on how we work, how we view work, right? And I wanna really get that home, uh, drive that home with us today, that it's given by God, it's designed by God, it's good, it's a gift from God. And those of you who are gonna be headed back to class, the students here who are going back to school, same thing. You're like, I can't wait till vacation, I can't wait till this. Um, but yet, when you go back and you have to get back to zero period on Tuesday morning or you got to get and fight traffic to get to work on Tuesday, you know you got to sit in that meeting with those difficult people and you got to do those things. I want us to think that this is a gift from God, that I don't have to do this, but I get to do this. I get to go to work. I get to go to school. I get to study hard. And I want our motives to be right here as we think about this. You know, what does the Bible say, right? When he created Adam, the first thing he does is in, in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. He was created for the purpose of working. To keep and upkeep the Garden of Eden was not an easy job, it was a difficult job. He got his hands dirty to do this job. But this was part of the purpose in creation. You think about God's pattern in all of creation. Six days he worked, he created, and the seventh he rested, and he sets this pattern for us. So work is something that is there, is given by God to us for us to do. And this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes says, Ecclesiastes 2.24. And, um, and really Ecclesiastes, for me, is, is becoming more of a, a book and the truths that come out of there in Proverbs and so on, but especially Ecclesiastes, the older I get, the more I grasp it, like the more I understand it. Right? Sometimes, uh, you know, when we're younger, our parents are telling us to do something and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you become a parent and you, you, you're like, that makes sense, right? And that's how Ecclesiastes is to me. It says here in 2.24, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. There's nothing better than someone who has this, a picture. He could eat, drink, find enjoyment in his toil. Someone who can go to work and say, I find purpose in this. And this is not talking about an easy job. Uh, you know, man, this is simple. No one is there. All you have to do is look for ketchup bottles and you're there. No, that's not what he's talking about. He says it's toil. The satisfaction after a long day or a week. And say, oh, I could eat. I could drink. And if I could find satisfaction in the toil that we do. Why? Because this is ultimately from the hand of God. And we could find that here. And how important that is. Um, there's a scene in, in, in the Shawshank Redemption, one of my favorite movies, when you know, uh, Andy and the guys are, are tarring the roof 
of uh, the prison and the guards are and it's scorching hot and he help, he says I'll help you you know do your taxes he was an accountant and a banker so he helps one of the guards do the taxes only if you would buy everyone here a bottle of cold beer right because if a man feels like it's more of a man if they could enjoy a cold one after a hard day's work and there's so there's that scene right if you've seen it and they're sitting there and their face is all dirty tars everywhere but the guard brings up this thing of cold beer and everyone gets one and there's a sense of ah, oh, and they enjoy that moment if you know we've all been there right where um you get to go on vacation you get a weekend and boy the, the rest from the work there's a satisfaction but sometimes uh, we maybe have been there where we're in between jobs and the rest is uncertain we're just resting we're waiting and there's a uneasiness it's not restful here he says that this is designed by God. It's given to us. Here it is. You're going to work, and you're going to work for the most of your adult life. Um, and this is designed by God. And in it, if we could work and find enjoyment, there is nothing better. The lifestyles of the rich and famous is not better than those who could say, boy, I could just find enjoyment in my lot in life. And some of you might be consider yourself blue collar or white collar. Some of you might be, hey, just, you know, reading books for your life. Some of you might be fixing things for your livelihood. Um, whatever it is, it is given to us by God because of the, the health that we have, the education that we have. And somehow God says, here you go, you can have this. And we ought to find enjoyment in it. Tuesday, I'm going to school. I get to go to school. You know, I go to work. I get to go. Because why? God has given it to me. And how we face work now is very different for the Christian. Um, Here, it's interesting, right? We often are so consumed with the, the, the dream of if I could retire early, you know? And we might know someone who retired, man, he's in his 50s and he's gonna retire, he is set. Wow, what are you gonna do after you retire? Like what if you retire at 50 but you live to 100? Like what are you gonna do for 50 years? You know, you think about that. I mean, how much, you know, what are you gonna do, you know? Um, we've heard studies, right, that talk about how especially for men that retirement often leads men to depression and health issues that it's actually bad for them. Um, we think it's, oh, it would, it's the ultimate dream if I could just retire, win the lotto and retire, you know, but no, it's actually bad for us and there's been arguments arguing that you should keep working as long as you can, you should be involved in something. Um, there was one study done by the Institute of Economic Affairs in 2013. They said that uh, the, the rate of depression in those who were retired doing nothing for men were 40% higher than those who were still working. And so certain countries, um, Australia, Ireland, Canada, they came up, the government came up with a, a semi-solution. They call it men's sheds, right? And I have to say it very clearly, okay? So uh, men's sheds, what it was is it's, it's made, it's there. It's a place where retired men could come and do woodwork, a place where they could fix things, whatever they are good at, and they congregate, and they work. And they said it's helped their, the, you know, it's helped their economy, it's productive, it's helping people, but ultimately it's good for them. So we have to really understand work properly, that it is not a curse. It is not something that we want to get away from as quick as possible, but something we say, I get to do this. I get to go to work. It is given to me by God. And don't think of, well, my work is, you know, I, I push numbers, or my work is, you know, I, I have to go and, you know, proofread these things, or I got to teach at a public school. And so that's secular, but no. All of our work 
is sacred. It's given to us by God. So it doesn't mean you have to go to seminary school or you have to be a pastor or you have to go on. It doesn't mean you have to change your job to find something sacred. It doesn't matter where you work. It is all sacred and we work in this way. So how should we work? And I want to just go over this list of four things with us, right? First of all, as a Christian who has been given by God the opportunity to work, we ought to work with integrity. We ought to get to work, and we ought to have the same motives regardless of who is there. Um, to be real, the word integrity, to be yourself when no one is watching. The, it says in our text that we read, verse 22, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. It's interesting, he's talking to bond servants. Doulos is the word. Uh, most, a lot of translations just call it slaves. The ESV has uh, uh, helped us understand a bond servant was a little bit different, but still it was a, was a, you were a second class citizen. You were considered someone else's property. You, you're, you know, your life was really dependent on the master. You know, you had certain rights, you could save up, you could buy your own freedom, you could buy um, land or you could buy things and you, there were good opportunities. However, you are still a bondservant. This is worse than any of our jobs here. And so he talks to those who have now just come to faith, who is saying, my life, it is so hard. You know, I am considered a second-class citizen. How should I live? And he doesn't say, God is going to now go and change your circumstance immediately. You know, we are often all so short-sighted. God, bless me now, give me now, heal me now. But he says, no, no, he goes, I want you to grow in it. And so the bond servants here are told to not do this by way of eye service or people pleasing. That means when we get at work, we, we shouldn't be looking, is the boss here today or is, is, is she not? A couple of weeks ago, I took my daughters to a restaurant in um, Roland Heights. And the service was too good. You know when it's too good, it's like bad, like they keep filling, filling the water and he keep asking me, like, do you need something? And I feel pressure, like, I don't know, you know, am I supposed to want something? And, you know, they're, they're just always staring at you. I mean, it was really good. And I'm like, don't look at me, please. You know, let me, you know, have some time. And you know, it was really good. Obviously, the boss was around, right? I'm guessing. So it was so good that the, last week, I take my wife and the kids. I said, let's go back. It was good. Let's take mom. You know, mom didn't go that night. Let's go. So we go there. And the boss is obviously not there. Because the waitress who was there was like a zombie. I mean, she was the walking dead, and she looked like the walking dead, and she's looking at me like, what? Like she wanted to fight me. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry to bother you while you're playing that important game or whatever you're doing. Can I just get some water? I'm going to choke and die. Can I just please? Just tell me where it is. I'll go get it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't even bother you. And I, and I was afraid to ask her. And I'm trying to make eye contact. And you know the professional non-eye contact people, she wouldn't look at my way at all. And I'm like, you know, hey, hey, uh, you know, and the boss isn't there. All right, and we, we've, we are, as Christians, our level of excellence in the work that God has given us should be so high that it doesn't matter if the boss is there. If the boss wants this much, it doesn't matter. I'm a Christian. I, I'm going to go this much. If the boss says, oh, you know, you need to just do A, B, and C. Well, I'm not going to just do A, B, and C. I'm going to finish it till all the way. I'm going to get these things done because my standard is higher because this is what God has given to me. And so we ought to change our perspective and the way we work. You know, in Luke chapter 3, 
John the Baptist is going out before Jesus and he's baptizing all these people and they're coming to faith and they're coming to Christ and they want to know the uh, Savior, the Messiah. And in Luke chapter 3, one group of people that ends up getting baptized and they're like, what do we do now? We're the tax collectors. Tax collectors. Uh, they were the, the scum of society. Tax collectors were the ones that would be loyal to Caesar and not to their own family. Tax collectors would take what Caesar's demands, 10%, let's say, and they would add 25% on top of that, and they would pocket all of it. And so all of their friends looked at them as scum, as the lowly. And so when the Bible keeps talking about tax collectors back then, and this is why it was. And so tax collectors come. They get baptized. They're now trying to follow the way. And they say, what should we do now? It's interesting that the answer that's given is not some highly, quote, unquote, spiritual thing they ought to do. But he simply tells them this. Collect no more. This is in uh, Luke three thirteen. Collect no more than you are authorized to do. It doesn't say change your calling, go to seminary, go on. You know, he says, collect no more than you are authorized to do. He says, work with integrity. This is what uh, the spiritual work that you are going to be doing. Work with integrity. The second thing we're called to do is work hard. Work to be productive. Be productive. Whatever you're doing, you are part of society. And you are helping our society. You are a productive part. So work hard at it. He was talking to bond servants who had a very hard job, a very demeaning job, a very difficult job. Ecclesiastes talks about the toil that we have to do. It wasn't something simple and easy, and we get to cruise through the dream job that we might say, no, this is hard work, and and he tells us, keep working hard. If you are a bond servant, work harder. And he tells us in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily. The King James, NAS, they all use that term, work heartily. The NIV um, helps us a little bit, and it says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Give yourself fully to it. Don't just get by, but give yourself fully to it. That's what he is saying here. I heard a a message, a sermon, and the uh, pastor was talking about the life of John Coltrane, and so I started start researching. It's kind of interesting that John Coltrane, the jazz musician, um, became a, a Christian, comes to faith, and the songs that he were playing now were like his renditions of psalms and giving thanks and so on. And I didn't know that. And I enjoy John Coltrane. He's on my playlist, you know, when I have to work and I, I have him, you know. And so I was reading, and I read one of the things that he said, which is interesting. He says, during the year 1957, I experienced by the grace of God a spiritual awakening, which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through his grace. All praise to God. And so his life was changed. And you would think, boy, someone who was as successful as he was, maybe at this point he would say, God, just let me retire. God, let me go see the world. God, let me just have some fun. But what his prayer was, that he would, God would lead him to a richer, fuller, more productive life. That he would play music to make more people happy. And this was what he wanted. This was his calling. So we ought to approach our work. And we ought to say, what's the best I can do, God? 
Not when I get there, not when I arrive, not God, if you give me this position, but right now, whatever it is, whatever level you're at, what's the best I can do, God? We ought to be productive. Thirdly, we ought to work to please God, not man, as we read. Um, God is our ultimate boss. God is our, uh, our Lord in Colossians 3.23, the second part. Ask, you should work heartily, ask for the Lord, not for men. When you work, you know, this is what the Pharisees did, right? And this is what Jesus really um, abhorred in them, is that they did the right things only to please man. And this was all contrary, to, and even today, all religion is all about trying to appease someone. You know, is someone looking, is someone watching, am I keeping up? You know, you go to certain, even within the Christian section, you go, you go to certain really fundamental churches, and it's like, you know, do they know, do they think, what do they think? But here he says, you gotta do it for the Lord. This takes care of all the worries that we have. If I'm working hard, and I'm being, doing the best that I can, um, I don't care what my coworker thinks. I don't care what they say. I don't care if I get the credit. Some of you, you know you've done the right things and you've been overlooked. Um, And you know that injustice, how it feels. It's okay because God sees it. And God sees what we do. You know, in Psalm 127, verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He's the one who lets us sleep. It is a waste to get up early, go to bed late at night, to worry about what do people think. It's a waste. Do it right for the Lord. Um, and, and the last one is to do it, to, to work not just for the love of money, right? Um, not just for the payoff. It says in verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, um, some of us have grew, grown up in homes where mom and dad, it's like, it's all about the money, right? Like, it's all about the money. Uh, well, you're a great artist, but no, there's no money. Like, it's all about the money. So either you're going to, you know, study medicine, or you're going to go to law school, and if you can't do that, you're going to at least just look at money and just be an accountant or something. Like, it's all about the money, and it's been summed up in that, right? But really, you know, he is talking to the bond servant. He is talking to someone who is never going to make the list of anything. He is talking to someone who is never going to live comfortably. And he says here, let's put this in perspective, knowing that the Lord, you will receive, from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are going to get something that is far greater than what your earthly master can give you. Don't worry about money. Now, money is a good thing. Money is necessary. We ought to work hard. We ought to save. All those things are good. But when it is our desire for money, when that keeps us up at night, when we are working now, you know, 10, 20 hours above everything, when we are now saying, hey, I don't care about my family. I don't care about my wife. I don't care about God. I don't care about my health. All I care about is money. And if it is owning us in this way, we have to pause and think, it's him. Christ is the one who's going to reward us. I was talking to a friend of mine whose niece um, is going to Brown University, and his, uh, so his sister and her brother were so proud that she, she got a full scholarship to Brown. And he's telling me, oh, yeah, you know, she's so smart, you know, and she's smarter than my kids, and, you know, like she's going to go to Brown and this and that. 
And he told me this when she started. Like, I think they told everyone, because even I knew about it, right? I'm like, wow, Brown, well, congratulations, you know? And then uh, just recently he says, oh, yeah, my niece, ah, my, um, oh, my sister, and I'm so disappointed in her. Like, you mean the Brown? You know, the one that everyone, you told the whole world about Brown? He goes, yeah, you know, he's so disappointed. When she got a full scholarship to Brown, what did she, you know? He goes, oh, she decided, she had to pick her major, and she decided she wanted to just be a nurse. And I was like, just a nurse? I was like, that's a great job. And, you know, I didn't get his tone. I was like, that's great. I go, the happiest people at my church are all the nurses. I mean, they are the happiest people. I go, they, they, they have wonderful, like, you know, benefits, and they help people practically. It's wonderful. They're so disappointed. They wanted her to do something, you know. And I was like, you know, how sad is that? When we get driven by just simply those things. And maybe for some of the students here, maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I got to work hard. And everyone around you is thinking, boy, you know, this is a list of the best cities that make the most money. And these professions make the most money. And boy, if I'm going to be a doctor, I'm not just going to be any kind of doctor. I want to be this kind of doctor because this kind of doctor makes more money. And if that is your goal, the love of money will consume you. And God keeps talking in the Gospels about you can't have both God, you can't worship both God and money. And so we have to do what we are called to do. And there is no job that is better than the other. It is all sacred. It is given to us by God. The master is now considered at the same equal plane as the bondservant. They were the same from God's perspective. What they did was exactly what God had given to them, and they ought to do this with enjoyment. So we ought to learn this. You know, in Luke 3, uh, the tax collectors get baptized and, and they, they're told to go and collect only what they're authorized to do, to be honest. Then the soldiers come and they get, get baptized. And they want to follow the way. And they say, what do we do? And the thing that they are told, man, the soldiers of the day, in Luke uh, 3.14 says, be content with your wages. Be content with where you're at. Be content with what you have. You see, there was a condition of the heart. He says, if God is going to reign in your heart, let's be content with what we have. Because all of us, the grass is always greener. All of us know someone who is making way more than we are. All of us know someone whose lifestyle is way more extravagant. And we feel like it's, maybe it's just not enough. But he tells the soldier, the young men who are barely getting by, be content with your wages. And we take that to heart. We find contentment in whatever we are getting now. Because the one who will come ultimately, and let's not be short-sighted, the one who will come ultimately comes with his inheritance. The heavenly father says, you're my son and daughter. Here is the inheritance. And we will have all of that with him. So let's not be short-sighted, but let's go and grab all that. Let's think about what is to come that our master will give us far more than any boss here on earth. And the gospel message that now brings everyone at evil, even plain has given us meaning not because we make money or not because we're recognized by man, but because he loves us and he recognizes us. So Tuesday, when we are now getting up early in the morning, I want all of us to say out loud, I get to go, not I have to go. Uh, I, you know, I get to go to work, I get to go to school. It's gonna be a wonderful day. Thank you, God, for what I have. And let's bring glory to him every hour that we are at work. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we as a country remember this day, um, the value of the labor that the men and women put in in our country. Um, but we as Christians, God, even more than that, we, we realize how sacred this work is. So God, we come here to remember that and we want to grasp that. Teach us that, because our hearts wander often, God, and we look for bigger and better things. It looks like the grass is really greener on the other side, and God, we want to understand what it is to be content with what we have. Because when we look forward to what we will have in you, to be at your side, to be at your feet with all the blessings you give to us, God, everything suffices here today. So bless us as we work. Bless us as we go back to school. Uh, help us, Lord, to be grateful for all that we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.